But what really inspired me to want to create this company was that I felt like there were so many incredible people in the world who wanted to make a difference in the lives of others and who did not have the tools that they really needed to be able to create sustainable strategies, right? We're often taught, you know, you either make money or you make change, but you can never do the two together. My guest today is Ra Goddess. She is joining us all the way from Los Angeles, California, and I'm up here in snowy, cold Canada, so it was really just cool to be able to talk to someone who's living in another part of the world. She has built an incredible business, and you can find her at movethecrowd.me. She is the author of an amazing new book. She talks a lot about it in the interview. I'm sure you're gonna to wanna to grab it afterwards. We've got a link in the show notes to buy her book on Amazon. Um, you're gonna learn so much from Raw in this, in this interview. So I'm gonna stop talking, let's dive in. All right, I have so many questions for you. First of all, tell us your name, tell us about your business, and tell us why you started this business. So my name is Raw Goddess. And I am the founder and CEO of Move the Crowd and also an amazing company called Information, which supports women, whoop, whoop, <laughs> professional women. Um, and, you know, my, my journey to entrepreneurship was quite rocky. And I, I find, you know, Lindsay, when we're in this conversation that for very few of us, is it a straight line? Mm -hmm. You know, I think for me, I've always been committed to autonomy. I've always been committed to liberation. Even when I worked a job, I was somehow, I worked it so that I was my own boss. And, <laughs> and I'm sure many of your, your beloveds out there can relate to that. Um, but what really inspired me to want to create this company was that I felt like there were so many incredible people in the world who wanted to make a difference in the lives of others and who did not have the tools that they really needed to be able to create sustainable strategies, right? We're often taught, you know, you either make money or you make change, but you can never do the two together. And so my mission and my life's work has really been about helping people be able to be their most authentic self and to make their highest contribution. And so this is what my company enables me to do. Awesome. I love that your company is all about empowering others to follow their calling. Will you tell our listeners a little more about your book called The Calling? Um, how did that book come to be? What are some of the things that you have included in the book that maybe you could give us a little sneak peek? Absolutely. So it's funny because people ask me all the time, and I'm sure you get this question as well. It's like, oh, how long did it take you to write the book? It took me 30 years to write this book. <laughs> mm. I love right? that. It took me 30 years and it really is a blueprint for anyone who is trying to find and answer their calling in a way that is authentic, profitable, and deeply impactful. The book really for me was written in response to the three most common questions I, I get. In other words, when I'm in conversations with people and they want to pursue their calling or their purpose, they're like, I want to do this, but... Right. The first question is, who am I? You know, who am I to think that I can do this? Who am I to think that I can have this kind of lifestyle? Or who do I to think that I can pursue this kind of aspiration? Or who am I to think that I would be good at this or worthy of this? Mm -hmm. So the stay true part of the book and the book is broken into stay true, get paid, do good, because that is our value proposition. That is what we're committed to helping entrepreneurs and change agents do every single day. Mm -hmm. um, but so the first part of the book 
really answers and helps us answer the question, who am I? And so typically when we ask that question, we shrink back, like, who, who am I? You know, and we make ourselves smaller. But my response in the book is actually, no, who are you? Like, how do you understand and recognize all of your, cre your creative talents and gifts? How do you see your brilliance? How do you really own and claim the legacy and the lineage that you come from? So that you really get that what you have to offer to the world is incredible and amazing and necessary, right? Second big question, and this really often is the number one concern, is how will I pay the rent? So it's great that I have this idea. Awesome that I want to make a difference. Fabulous that I'm passionate about women. But at the beginning, middle, and end of the day, my rent is due on the first of the month. <laughs> and my landlord is not going to take all my wonderful ideas and cash it at the bank. <laughs> right. So this question of, you know, how do I figure out how to do what I love and actually have it be monetizable? Mm -hmm. It's the second part of the book, which is the get paid part. And in the book, I walk you through a six-step protocol in each section. But in the get paid section, we really move from what has been traditionally conditioned scarcity into mm -hmm. a world of abundance. And really, for me, your money truth. Because each of us has a particular truth when it comes to making money, how we want to make money, how we want to spend money, use our money, leverage our resources. And so the book takes you deep into that second question, which like nice. I said, often comes up as the number one barrier. And then the third question, and this one is really vulnerable. Can I really matter? Can little old me really make a difference in the lives of other people? Can little old me really make a difference around this particular issue? Can little old me really transform this challenge? And so in the third portion of the book, which is the do good portion of the book, I help you actually develop your own do good strategy that's drawn from your greatest gifts. It's drawn from who you most want to be serving. And it's drawn from the monetizable strategy that I teach you how to create in the second part of the book. Wow. So that's what the book is. It's a blueprint. Step-by-step -step blueprint for how to do it. Awesome. Wow. We will have a link to Ra's book in the show notes. Um, Ra, so you went through this, I, I, I presume, as I think I could say I have too, that feeling of knowing you want to do good, but questioning whether or not people will feel like you're good enough and will feel like you're worthy enough of their attention. Sorry, my dog is having a coughing fit beside me here. Um, yeah. So where did you come up against that in your story? Like at what point in your life were you like, I want to do this. I, I feel called to do this. And then you came up against that feeling of I might not be good enough. How did you push through that? Was it a mentor? What was, what happened to you that made you continue? Yeah. I mean, I came to my purpose kicking and screaming and I tell this story often because I get asked, right? Um, mm -hmm. Because for each of us, it's very different. For some people, it's a subtle realization or set of realizations that happen over time. In other words, you know, at every year or every particular milestone, you get to another level of clarity and you refine, right, what it is that you're here to do. Some of us are born knowing. Mm. And we're fortunate enough to be born to people who nurture it, who encourage it, who help resource it, right? Yes. Others, others of us, we have trauma and drama that bring us to our callings. And that was my particular case. I was in a situation where I was shot at at point blank range. 
And it got really clear to me through the experience that I was being called to do something. And I was acting like the universe wasn't calling me. I was pretending <laughs> that the universe was talking to somebody else. And of course, I didn't want to let go of my security blanket, right? My great mm -hmm. consulting job. I had all mm -hmm. kinds of questions about whether or not I was worthy, whether or not I had something to really offer that people would care about, whether I knew enough. This is something I talk about a lot with our beloved women. Do I know enough? right? Am I expert enough? Am I perfect enough? You know, um, mm -hmm. am I qualified enough? And yes. often I find that we are overqualified, Lindsay, right? I mean, more than qualified. And it doesn't mean yes. that we aren't always learning because we're all natural learners. We're always going to learn new things. We're always going to pick up new skills. We're always going to pursue new aspects of whatever it is we want to bring to the world because we have mm -hmm. that commitment to excellence. Mm -hmm. But we're enough, we know enough, we have enough, we can do it, you know, and, and that I had to continue to kind of um, allow life to reinforce that for me, you mm -hmm. know, especially mm -hmm. coming out of that traumatic incident, I had to kind of give up, you know, being in control, and really allow something much bigger than me to take over. Um, and, and, and that was what enabled me to kind of move through the fear of not being enough and not being worthy. Okay. Well, it's such a blessing to be having this conversation with you. Um, before we dive back into the conversation, I just want to say, like, I'm so grateful. I am learning so much from you already. And it's just so cool to be, um, to be, you know, expanding our network live on Instagram right now, I think. So I love the power of the internet. One thing that I come up against a lot with fempreneurs, and I, when I say against, I mean I, I get pushback from fempreneurs when I'm, when I'm trying to help them grow their businesses, is putting videos on the internet. I'm curious to know how your journey has looked when it comes to doing like what something we're doing right now. We're putting our, we're putting our faces on the yeah. internet, and this is even completely unscripted, and we could you know fumble our words and say something totally wrong right now, and I'm probably going to fumble my words many times in this conversation, but how did you get to that point where you had enough confidence to start putting videos of yourself on the internet? It's a great question. It was practice, you know, okay. like there's, there's, you know, I just want to say to you all, one of the things that I really challenged myself to do, and, and it's, it's interesting. I happen to be, you know, a little made up today because I have back-to-back -back meetings all day, but you will, if you go to my Instagram page and you click on any of my words of the day, Sometimes my hair is all over the place. Often I have nothing on my face. <laughs> and it was a practice for me because I really believe that less than sort of how we look, people want to feel our spirits. They want to feel our presence. They want to feel our souls. They want to touch our truth. And for me, my practice of not putting anything on, of just cutting it on and not overthinking it and, you know, getting in and getting out. Um, was my willingness to be able to let go of all of that because I was like, listen, if I can cut the camera on and just speak my truth with nothing on and people who are also looking for truth, who want to mm -hmm. be inspired by something real, mm -hmm. then I know that it will encourage other people to kind of go, well, she, she didn't even do her hair. <laughs> I could do right. this, right? You right. know what I mean? And I do want to say that because I think so often, I mean, even I went through this today. I was like, you know, the lighting, the this. I was like, I'm going outside. 
I love it. I love it. I like, I'm so glad you're outside. It's so beautiful where you're sitting. Oh my gosh. And you're in Los Angeles. And I'm in LA. I'm in LA. But oh. I was just like, I was like, you know, I'm just going to do this in my courtyard. And, and, you know, like, hopefully yes. the quality of the conversation is such, you know, that people will, will trust the value. And I do feel mm -hmm. like Lindsay, I mean, what you're touching is so for me, so major in this question, because I do feel like there's so much pressure with social, you know, I mean, I, you know, again, my team is laughing right now hysterically because they know sometimes I come on, I'm like, okay, where's the button? Okay. Instagram, change the feed layout. Okay. Wait, wait, hold on. What's the, okay. This is a new gadget. I don't even know what this is. I'm afraid to push this button. You know what I'm saying? All the things. Um, but I do want to also say to your beloveds that, that you're needed now. Yeah it's get serious up out here. You're needed. Whatever that business is, whatever that idea, whatever that book is, whatever that stage, you know, keynote is, whatever you're cooking that you know has your name on it, come on. I need you. We need you. Lindsay and I need you up out here. Yes. Yes. 100%. I mean, and back to what you started, we touched on it earlier about how do I pay my rent? I, I would like to talk a little more about that today because I know uh, for me, when I started my business, I was lucky that I had multiple income streams. So I had, I was a hairdresser, so I was able to do hair and luckily people's hair grows all the time. So people always need a hairdresser. Um, I was doing a couple other things for money and I didn't put all the financial pressure of paying my rent on my baby business. And this is a mistake I think a lot of entrepreneurs make is they come into this business and it's a heart centered business. It's their calling and they start putting these worldly pressures onto their little baby business. Can you talk a little bit about how you yes. help people through that stage? Yes, this is an important conversation because I would say to you, even before it gets to a business, a lot of people put pressure on the idea. Mm -hmm. And when you put pressure on the idea, the idea has no room to breathe. So even your ability to arrive at an offering that mm -hmm. really resonates for you and really resonates for who you want to serve can sometimes be challenged simply by what you're naming. So I often find that businesses will pivot into things that make money. Mm. And I think that one of the most challenging things that we don't ever talk about is being in a successful business that you hate, where it makes money, but it isn't your joy. And I think, again, that this um, commitment to giving your ideas water and sunlight and allowing them to grow naturally and organically some things want to grow fast mm -hmm. you get to allow that you get to support it but other things want to grow slow mm -hmm. and how do you really give yourself the room and the space to be able to do that so i'm with you we are all about transition plans in in the work that we do at move the crowd we're yes. all about supporting people in a 531 vision as opposed to a add water instant business 30 days i'm up and running and i think you know, I want to say this with love is that we feel a lot of pressure when we flip through our social feeds and we hear people earning multi-million dollars overnight and, you yes. know, all of the other things that get boasted and touted on social. And I'm not here to be the integrity police as it relates to that, right? Mm -hmm. But I do want to say that 
each of us has our own journey. Each of us mm -hmm. has our own way of building. There are a million and one ways to get there. And that there's nothing wrong with your way. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with doing it your way and doing it at your own pace and not feeling pressured to go big and go strong and leap bold if that's not where you're at. Right. It may be a baby, 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 baby step. You may just be putting a fraction of a toe in the water. That may be what you can do today. Awesome. Yeah. Tomorrow, tomorrow, let's go for a half toe. You know what I mean? And so I love that you encourage your women to, to, to find their own pace and their own path in this. And I want to just underscore and say that that is exactly what you want to do. You want to let it grow naturally and it will grow in a, and, and get to a point where you are like, okay, I can sustain myself without feeling mm -hmm. like I'm going to lose my house or not mm -hmm. be able to care for my children. Right. We, we have real responsibilities. So we have to do it responsibly. Absolutely. Um, my next question is a fun one. I want you to kind of look back on your career um, to where you are today and Share a story or two of some big wins that have happened to you, whether you made them happen, whether someone else, you know, gave them to you, uh, any sort of stories of things that you just kind of want to, you know, I'm giving you, I want you to brag a little bit, but I know your style, you're not going to brag, but I want you to, I want you to really pump your own tires and in that really gracious, loving way that I'm sure you'll do it. Okay. Um, one of the things, that, and this happened to me, and one of the things that I talk a lot about is in the very early stages, being very mindful of who we share our ideas with. Mm. And I always say, like, you know, if you had a newborn baby, you wouldn't just let anybody hold your baby. Mm. You know, and even with people you love, you might be like, did you wash your hands? Or, <laughs> you know, are you sitting in a comfortable place where you're solid and stable? Before yes. I give you my, my precious bundle. But sometimes what we do when we have an idea is we find the most skeptical, hard charging person we know, and we float the idea and it's very, very infant stages by those people. And they often talk us out of it. Mm. Especially and if they're not entrepreneurs, I find. Do you find that? Definitely. definitely. I find the entrepreneurs are the safest people to talk to, uh, especially the entrepreneurs that are do kind of past that grind phase where they're into a bit of a like, oh, wait, I'm really glad I pushed through and I'm feeling the good vibes now. And yeah, and people with jobs, people who have like the nine to five and the boss, they're not good people to run business ideas by, in my opinion, but that's just me. Yeah, they, they may not be, but I, I even think people, I want to be even more precise, people who are happy yeah. and fulfilled, people right. who are generous in spirit, mm -hmm people who will root for you, right? And no matter whether they understand or they don't understand, you know, one mm -hmm. of the, you know, when I was building this business, I'll kind of come back to my own story. Yeah. You know, I was in a conversation with my father and at the time my father was 84, uh, God rest his soul. And I said to him, you know, daddy, I don't think you understand what I do. I said, if I think if somebody came and actually put a gun to your head and asked you, what I did, you would not be able to tell them. And he said, nope, sure wouldn't. <laughs> but I love you. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm proud of you. Even if I have no idea what this is. <laughs> and sometimes you need people like that in your life, right? Who just love you because they love you. And they encourage you because they believe in you, even if they don't understand the idea. Mm -hmm. Then there are people in your life 
who get the idea, who are going to help you think strategically about how to do it, who are going to help ease your path, who are going to save you time and money and heartache. And those are your coaches. Those are people like Lindsay, right? And you want to <laughs> seek them out. But then there are people in your life who are not living their best life. Mm. Whether they're in a business or whether they're in a nine to five, it doesn't matter. But they have not been able to courageously make the kinds of choices that enable their light to shine. And so what they're going to do is sell you their limitations. And so right. when you are birthing a new idea, you have to be careful about where you're going. I didn't understand that in the very early stages. I was excited about the idea. I wanted to talk to anybody who would listen. And I got a lot of advice that actually didn't serve me. And it mm. wasn't until I got quiet and got in my own wisdom. And I had a conversation with a potential investor at the time because I was trying to initially raise money, which was not the, the path for me in starting my business. For some people it is. It wasn't the mm -hmm. pathway. But the guy looked me in the face, he said, I don't know you from a can of paint. I don't know whether or not you can do this. I don't know who you yeah. want to serve. I don't know if they're worth serving. And I was like, what? <laughs> and then literally the spirit of my mother came into me. I lost my mother at a very young age, but the spirit of my mother came in and, and I looked this man in the eye and I said, you know what? I can show you better than I can tell you. Watch. And I walked out of that meeting and I committed to starting my business. And in the first six months of my business, I made what I would have normally made in a year working in a salaried position. And it wasn't for me, like I don't say this to you to say, oh, in six months you're going to do that. You may. You may do even more than that, mm -hmm. right? But what I more so say about that is that what it taught me was that I could listen to myself. I could trust mm -hmm. myself. And the biggest first lesson and when I got in my business was to learn how to listen to my own wisdom. And I think, I think like when you said I got quiet and I just, you know, I don't know, I don't know what that exactly looked like for you. So do you want to tell me more about what that I'm looked like? Quiet. You took yeah. a step back from the action and, and, and like, what did that look like? Yeah, we all get guidance and th I'm not here preaching religion, I'm, but I'm saying when you call it gut instinct, when you call it intuition, whether you call it the universe, whether you call it God or source mm -hmm. or love or creativity, mm -hmm. we all get guidance. Mm -hmm. And our opportunity, especially when we want to walk our own path, especially when we want to bring purpose and calling into the world, is to learn how to listen. Mm -hmm. And me getting still and developing and cultivating a practice that enabled me to get still was about learning how to listen and about creating an environment where the voice could be loud enough where I knew like, oh, that's my voice of wisdom as opposed to my voice of doubt or as opposed to right, my uncle's cautioning or you know, all the other voices that can sometimes be in our head and yeah. our inability to distinguish which, which one is talking at any given time. Mm -hmm. My stillness practice enables me to know when the voice of wisdom is speaking and the voice of sources speaking, what my source is, right? And it is through that guidance that I'm able to go, oh, okay, do this. Oh, okay, do that. I have a practice every morning before sunrise. I get up and I sit on my terrace and I listen. And I ask, I write the question in my journal. 
what can I do today about this thing? Or how should I respond to that thing? So I get guidance every day around my business about how I should respond to whatever the opportunities or challenges are before me. And I believe that every entrepreneur should have some practice that enables them to hear their higher wisdom, that enables them to tap into their deepest truth, right? Mm -hmm. And whether you go to your gut or whether you go to the sky, you mm -hmm. all need space to be able to do that. Right. Right. So do you ask yourself the same two questions every morning? Can you say those again? Yes. Yeah, sometimes the question may be like, what, what do you want me to know today? Mm -hmm. Or how might I serve today? Mm -hmm. Or what would you suggest that I do about this thing today? If you have a big decision you need to make. Right. A lot of the challenges, you know this, Lindsay, I'm not going to say anything right here that you don't know, but a lot of the challenges we face as entrepreneurs is that we've got to make 100 decisions every single day. Yeah. And some decisions are good decisions, and some decisions are not so great decisions, and other decisions don't even matter. Like two days from now, whatever you may be pulling your hair out about may be inconsequential to whatever you have going on, right? Mm -hmm. And so our ability to learn how to trust ourselves mm -hmm. with the decisions we make, be they good, bad, or indifferent, and to mm -hmm. stay in the practice of listening to ourselves and honoring our truth and getting to a real place about those decisions is also like, in my experience, one of the most sacred practices we can have. So but it takes time. Like, I love that you take the time because that's one thing I'm not very good at. I'm like, oh no, I just trust my gut. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make great decisions on the fly. You know, that's kind of how I talk to myself. And like, I don't need to set aside time to, to sit in silence and like hear the answers come to me because I'll just figure it out as I go. Like that's how, that's how I think I should roll. <laughs> but I really uh, have taken time. Usually when I'm, uh, you know, at a conference away or I'm on vacation or I, somehow I've reset my usual routine and I'll take some time to, uh, to really think and reflect. And it's incredible the stuff that whatever you were talking about comes up with. <laughs> and without making that space in my life, I don't think I would have had those realizations or those messages wouldn't have been able to make it through all the clutter to get to me. So I love that you yeah. start your day with that. And I, I aspire to doing that, to starting my morning. Uh, I've recently uh, kind of retaken up yoga as a morning thing. And rather than getting in my cold vehicle, because I'm up here in Canada, driving to the gym, uh, I've decided, no, I'm going to start my morning a little more gently with yoga. And then the gym can happen later in the day. Um, and that I've, I'm finding will be, that'll be a good time for me to actually ask some of those questions. So thank you for, for inspiring that. So welcome. So welcome. So I have two more questions. We can definitely add a couple more to the list, but two that I really want to ask you. One is talking to our new fempreneurs. They maybe haven't even officially dipped half a toe in yet they might just have a business idea that they haven't even told anyone about um but they need to kind of move through that first six months of getting things going um i want you to take us back you were saying in that first six months after that guy was like well i don't know you and like that first six months after you decided to put the pedal to the metal and to just give her 
as we say up here, the rednecks. Um, and the next question I have, which we'll come back to after you're done, is more about what you're doing right now in your business and what a typical day in the life looks for, looks like for you. And kind of maybe even a story of someone that you've helped recently. So let's go back to the beginning first, though. So in the early stages of my business, it was really important for me to keep a journal mm. about what were the most important things that I would be doing every single day. And then what was I learning as I was doing what I was doing, mm -hmm. right? So whether it was having a conversation with someone about what I wanted to offer or an idea I had about how I wanted to design an offering, right? In the beginning for me, in addition to, like I said, I can show you, but I can tell you what I did was I bought 30 of the leaders and change agents that I wanted to serve into a room and I shared the business with them. And mm -hmm. I asked them, not just should I do this, but I asked them, would you pay for it if I did? Mm -hmm. And I think those are important questions as well. So not only like who do we want to serve, but who would be willing to invest mm -hmm. in what it is that we have to offer? And right. my experience has been the more that we can talk to the people we want to be engaging and the people we're serving, that's the best information we could ever get about how to organize and create whatever it is that we want to offer. And so some parts of my day were spent talking to people that I wanted to serve and really understanding them, understanding their challenges, understanding what were the things that they were trying to solve for and the way in which what I had to offer could potentially meet what it was that those challenges were. Other parts of my day were imagining and dreaming about the design of what I wanted to offer. Like, wow, I want to do it this way. And I want to have it be this many times a week. And I want to, you know, do this. And then it was designing curriculum. This right. is the content that I want to bring. This is the journey mm -hmm. that I want to take them on. Mm -hmm. So those early stages of the business were a lot for me about creating and ideating. Or they were about relating to and connecting and talking to the people I most wanted to serve so that I could really align what I was creating with what the need in the marketplace was. Mm -hmm. And for me, those were the most beneficial places. Now, there's also administrative stuff you got to do, like mm -hmm. you got to set up your business and you got to put your office space together and, you know, yeah. and, and all of those kinds of things, decide where you're going to get your mail. But right. if we're talking about the core of lifting an idea, mm -hmm. ideating, and connecting were the two most important practices that enabled me to actually be able to lift an offering that I was able to monetize pretty quickly because right. I had done all that listening. I love that you, months. okay. And I love that you went out and you basically conducted a live survey. That's kind of how I'm yes. perceiving it. You, you were surveying the people that you wanted to serve and you were saying, here's my idea, but I really want you to help build it out from here. I want you to add the things to it that maybe I haven't mentioned that you need. I want you to change up some of the wording I'm using in my explanation of it to maybe fit more of the words that are bouncing around in your head about your needs. Like that is just such a great story. I love that. You know, who needs Survey Monkey when you can get a room full of people together, you know? <laughs> you also build connection. You know, like to not and, and listen surveying has its place but even now at this stage of my business literally I was in a meeting this morning with a member of my team 
And I was like, we need to talk to these five people. Mm. Let's create a space and an environment to talk with them. Why? Because you build trust and connection as well. So that when you do want to circle back around and you have got it all organized and you have got it all together, they've already been primed because they've been in the conversation with you. They're also excited because they feel a sense of investment in what you've created because Mm -hmm. they've had input. And so learning that this co-creative process really also, not only does it give you great intelligence, but it also starts to warm up the market that you ultimately want to be serving. Yes, I love that. That is fantastic. I've got a lot of new entrepreneurs that I'm I'm so honored to be working with them. Their their businesses are brand, brand new. So they're, they went from idea phase to, you know, having a logo to putting it out there to the world and how they're doing it is through something similar to what you described. It's bringing a group of people together who need this, you know, thing, but they're not 100% sure how they're going to help them because they want the group of people that need it to tell them how they would want it to look. And I just think it's, that's how, that's how my business started as well. It was literally like, I'm going to bring you all together and I have an idea of how I'm going to serve you. Cause I do know some of your pain points because the universe was having all these female entrepreneurs telling me they were struggling with online marketing. And I was like, Oh, this is something that I'm really good at. Apparently I should be sharing what I'm good at with others, but they helped me build it. They helped me be a better teacher. They helped me be a better listener. They helped me fill in the gaps of my teaching because they were like, well, you missed a step here because I'm super confused. And I'm like, oh, shoot, I did miss a step. Let me add that into the course of so the next group of students aren't all stumbling on that one. Like, so I think it's so awesome that you did that. So do you mind sharing a little bit more about today and what your business looks like now and maybe give us a, a success story of a specific client that you've worked with and how you've helped them? So, um, So today the business is we have an active team of about eight members who are in the day-to-day of the work. Um, And I feel really blessed. I work in a very different non-traditional model. So I really lead a team of leaders. And every leader, every member of my team is a leader and a thought leader and a collaborator and a partner in the business. So, and we have a very, very strong culture as a team. Uh, we, we call ourselves a high performance team and we work inside of a particular methodology that supports us in being high performance. In terms of success stories, I've had the privilege to serve people who are very, very well known and people maybe who are not as well known. But one of the success stories, one of the stories that I feel most proud of is I had the privilege, you know, starting 11 years ago to work with an incredible woman by the name of Reshma Sajani. And some of you may know Reshma. She is the founder of Girls Who Code. And Girls Who Code is currently the largest girls empowerment organization in the world. And when it began, it was a very (laughs) uh, local idea. It was a very small idea. It was rooted in young girls in STEM. And it was all about recognizing that when we looked at the world of technology, it was male dominated. Mm -hmm. And then when we looked at the pipeline in terms of college, we had very few women majoring in computer science. And Reshma had a vision of wanting to see young girls feel empowered to bring their ideas to the world of technology because she -hmm. could see at that time and we all could see that technology was booming and growing. Mm -hmm. And it was a space where more skills were going to be needed and people who had the skills of being able to code were going to be necessary and needed. And so Reshma began with a very localized program in New York. She was serving at the time 130 girls, maybe. No, no. At the time when we first began, maybe more like 60 girls Mm -hmm. in what was a summer program. 
she got them internships in places like Yahoo at the time and Google and Facebook and, uh -huh. um, and begin to continue to grow and cultivate and nurture this idea. Girls Who Code now annually serves over 200,000 girls. There are clubs in every country <laughs> in the world. Um, and, you know, they're doing all kinds of things on books to, you know, their own app initiatives. She has helped really level the playing field. There's been significant growth in terms of young girls actually majoring in computer science and birthing and growing incubating ideas through a lot of the major tech companies now. And it's a movement. And recently succeeded, in other words, handed over the organization to the helm of, of an incredible leader who now runs uh, Girls Who Code, and she has now moved on to a new initiative called Marshall Plan for Moms. So for me, having had a front row seat over the last 11 years of watching this organization build to the level of success that it is built to and to watch Reshma successfully pass the baton and now turn to a new organization has been uh, one of the greatest success stories and many, many others, but you know, so working with people like Reshma, working with people like Gabrielle Bernstein, working with people like Daisy Dominguez, working with people like Deepa Pershankaman. And these are all game changers and change agents who are moving in various industries, but they're doing it their way. They're reading their own movements um, and they're staying true, getting paid and doing good. Nice. Wow, that is phenomenal. Does your book, The Calling, does it include more of these kind of stories of, you know, examples of things? It does. Awesome. Actually, the book, and this was a, a, thank you for saying that, Lindsay, because this was so important, right? Because you and I both know when you get into these conversations and you share these success stories, you go, oh, well, that person must have had something special about them, or, oh, that person must have been lucky, or, oh, that person, right? And we yeah. always sort of go, everybody but me. Right. And so yes. one of the things that I was really adamant about in the book was to include the case studies of over 40 entrepreneurs and game changers, organizational leaders from all walks of life, all wow. backgrounds, all orientations, all kinds of challenges and opportunities and obstacles, because I wanted to make sure that you could see yourself, right, mm -hmm. to know that it doesn't just happen for these type of people but that it actually is available and possible for every single one of us, no matter who we are or where we come from. Wow. Thank you so much. You've shared so much value with our podcast listeners. And I am just honored to have had this time to, to get to know you and to be inspired by you. I have definitely found uh, some clarity and um yeah, just some, some new ideas just from this conversation. So thank you for all that you've shared. Um, I do want to mention one thing that I found about you on your website on, um, uh, sorry, what's the website again? Dot me. Move the crowd. Dot me. Move yes, the crowd. Dot like me. Move okay. me. <laughs> right. I love that. Um, it just kind of left me for a moment there. So I was, I was cruising around on the website. Love it. I found that you have this five, these five podcast episodes, like a five day fear challenge. Can you tell us a little more about that? Because that is a yes. really cool resource. Well, one of the things, and we bump into this all the time, you all, is our fear. Like, you know, it's a real companion. And over the years, as we've been in conversations with people, you know, the fear has become the reason to stop. Mm. And 
I have said over and over again, part of our opportunity as entrepreneurs, as people who just want a better world, right? From whatever place you're leading, you got to learn how to take your terror with you. Mm. You know, Lisa Nichols has this wonderful saying, knees knocking and teeth chattering. And so this five-day fear challenge was created because we really wanted to support people in understanding that the intention and the opportunity is to move through your fear, work with your fear, as mm. opposed to use your fear as a reason to stop. So if you sign up for the challenge every day, you get walked through a beautiful guided conversation. And I, I want to shout out Stephanie Steidel and Monica Moss-Gransbury, who are two of our coaches at Move the Crowd. And Stephanie has recently become an alumni coach. Stephanie, we love you. You know, you're doing great things in the world. Um, but they walk you through a kind of guided conversation. And then you actually get journal prompts at the end of each conversation that then enables you to be able to talk about and think through this particular question. And it's always about inviting and encouraging that next level of courage. And then mm -hmm. I do at the final series, I do a bonus session at the very, very end. And I talk about the fear of being seen. Mm -hmm. And it really connects, Lindsay, to what you were saying about, mm -hmm. you know, you're encouraging your beloveds to get on camera and to be able to start to feel comfortable, right, having a presence. And mm -hmm. I talk about, you know, that as much as we are really afraid of being seen, that's the thing that we want most in the world. We want to be seen. We want to be heard. We want to be recognized. We want to be acknowledged for who we really are and for what it is that we feel like we've most been asked to bring to the world. And so I walk you all through that conversation. You get some prompts and some steps in terms of how you actually work through any challenge you have, whether it's a keynote that you're about to do or you're gonna go make a presentation you know, to stakeholders in your community or your boss, um, but how we start to get comfortable with being seen and, and recognizing and understanding that if we don't work through that challenge, then the world's not gonna get the great solutions and ideas that we have. Mm -hmm. And I think we all want a better world, you know? Listen, we've had great advances, but we also know there are lots of places where we got a lot more work to do. Yes. And so the more that we can be willing to show up mm -hmm. in our highest form, be willing to raise our hand for what it is that we have to offer and bring, I believe the better the world gets. And so that's the fear, opportunity of the fear challenge. Awesome. So bust through your fears. I'll put a link to the fear challenge below, um, below the podcast episode and the website where you can connect with Ra and her Instagram. Thank you so much. I've just, yeah, again, I'm just so honored. I know that fempreneurs who listen to this episode are just beaming right now and they're so excited to have discovered you and all that you do. Is there anything coming up that's maybe a bit time sensitive that they can partake in or check out? Yes, yeah, so I will say you all just continue to follow us. We do a New Year's message at the top of every year. And I know Jeezy is moving in the chat there. So there are two other things I think we're going to offer here too. But um, we do a New Year's message at the top of every year. And Lindsay, we will make sure you get the link when it goes live for registration. But it's a way okay. to reset our year. It's a way to set a theme for our year. As we think about our goals and our milestones, we also want to think about the context, right? And so, you know, for many, many years, people do New Year's resolutions. 
And we actually want to invite you all instead to consider the themes and the rituals and the practices that are going to support you this year. And so for some people, maybe it's a word, like my word for the year might be expansion. And I get mm -hmm. to interact and engage with that theme. Well, we as a community of practice, we create a message every year that's just basically a download that comes through source, through me, mm -hmm. from source, through me, however we yep. define that. Um, but it gives us a roadmap for how we enter into the year ahead. And so we want to make sure that your community has an opportunity to join us. It's free. Come, mm -hmm. hang out. The other thing I believe that Jeezy is going to give you the link for, and Jeezy is Regina, you all, my, my, my community and my team, um, yeah. is the top 10 reasons why people buy. So a lot of what I know you're also helping your women do is really create what it is that they're going to offer and bring to the world. And so often when we create what we create, we get very shy <laughs> when it's done about sharing it. Um, and so this top 10 reasons why people buy is actually drawn from the books. I do want to say that. I actually have the book in front of me here. And so I could give you the page, maybe. <laughs> maybe I can give you the page. Um, but it's in chapter 12 and um, these top 10 reasons actually walk you through how to create an authentic connection with someone, how to build the context for trust and how to know and understand exactly what it is that you're able to offer and bring that they can't get anywhere else unless they work with you. And so we want to give you all access to both the mini lecture for that and to the downloadable tip sheet for that. And so Jeezy just dropped the link for that in there as well. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, that'll be in the show notes as well. And uh, I really appreciate I really appreciate you sharing these tools with us. I'm so excited. What a juicy episode this has turned out to be. So excited. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to let you get back to your very busy day. I so appreciate your time. And I'm so honored to have had this opportunity to meet you. Hopefully we get to meet someday at some live event or conference or something. And uh, yeah, if there's anything else that you want me to add to the show notes, um, you guys can send it over to me. You know how to reach me and I would love to do that. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lindsay. It was so great to have you and, and thank you for your work and all of the work that you do on behalf of all of the fempreneurs out there. So appreciate you. Thank you. Bye for now. Take care. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, I need you to do me a huge favor. It's not just for me, actually. It's so that other fempreneurs can... I just spilled water on my keyboard. Okay, we're going to keep the camera rolling because this is real life. I don't think any technology has been damaged, but this book is dripping water right now. If you want to look at that. Okay, so back to what I was saying. It, it's not about me. It's about other fempreneurs finding the Fempreneur Marketing Podcast and how they're going to do that is by you giving us a rating on Apple Podcasts. So five stars would be awesome. However many stars you feel we deserve and a little blurb about what you love about it. So in your own words, a sentence or two, maybe your favorite episode that you've listened to. Speaking of which, I want you to check out, if you're an advanced fempreneur and you're looking for some advanced marketing tips and strategies, if you missed episode 107, check it out. Um, you also wanna make sure to listen to the 100th episode if you're new here, because the 100th episode is where we gathered together, I think 16 of our uh, favorite interviews from the first 100, and we put clips of each of those in episode 100. So it is jam-packed with awesomeness. And I'm gonna go clean up this water now, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Bye for now.